0: What's up guys it's britney chisholm you're listening to the moto x pod show hey this is paige craig and you're listening to the moto x pod show
1: Zeppelin. I mean, can you really go wrong with Led Zeppelin? Robert Plant, John Bonham, John Paul Jones, and Jimmy Page. I mean, one of the greatest bands of all time. But uh, yeah, just uh, Dark Side here, obviously, doing a little bonus episode this week. Uh, not episode 134, not a full episode, but just a bonus episode since we had an off week. I finally got Brandon Zimmerman, who is Adam C. and Cirilla's mechanic, lined up. He's been pretty damn busy this year, obviously and uh blake bomber with bootlegger moto supply on instagram and he runs uh, mxbootdeals.com he wanted to come on talk a little bit about what he's doing trying to save some riders some money on some badass gear slightly used gear um he wants to come on talk a little bit about what he's doing and racing so yeah we're gonna get blake on and just do a couple of interviews tonight give you a little bit of a bonus episode and then Actually, I don't think we're doing a show next week either, so maybe some bonus stuff next week, some shorter stuff, and then we'll get back to trying to do some full shows. And even though this is a just an extra bonus show, I still want to thank, obviously, all our sponsors, our title sponsor, Torque One Racing, for all that they do for us. The, the Modus X-Pod show is brought to you every week by the, by Torque One Racing, who's providing high-quality, economical, performed parts. Check out TorqueOneRacing.com for grips, pegs, handlebars, shifters, brake pedals, and more. Follow Johnny and Torquen Racing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, uh, of course, Shock Socks, All Sport Dynamic Wrist Braces, Blood Lubricant Oil Lines, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing for your WP suspension needs, Works, Wiz and Mods for engine work, Sarah Coating, Extreme Colors for your custom painted helmets, and Kyle Tucker, uh, our realtor. If you have any uh, interest, if you want to support all of our sponsors, go to the sponsor links on MotoXPodShow.com. Want to support those sponsors and keep these shows going. Uh, So anyway, take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, Mr. Brandon Zimmerman.
0: Hey, Kylie. Does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too.
1: What's up Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why all Sport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. Allsport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try Allsport Dynamic wrist braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at Brace Guy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Cevacci, Weston Pike, Adam Cianciarello, Matt Gurky, and Brock wear in their pro careers. Check them out, all sports, dynamic braces.
2: Powerband Racing is a suspension company dedicated to providing best service and products. They are committed to developing new products and improve your ride. They want your suspension to be the best it can be. They're based out of Minneapolis and they're a WP authorized service center and trusted by Ryan Sipes. Many bikes to big bikes, they cover them all. Powerband Racing has your suspension covered. Contact them at 320-983-3400 and follow them on Facebook or Instagram.
1: All right, everybody. Our first guest of the night, man. I am really excited about bringing this guy to the show. I've been working on this for a few months now, and he's going to be brought to you by Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. No one likes replacing leaky fork seals, so ask your local dealer or go to Burr motorsports.com and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. So, Shock Sox brings us championship-winning 250 national champion mechanic, Brandon Zimmerman. What's up, Brandon?
3: Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Doing good. So, first of all, congratulations on the championship.
3: Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long time, time coming for AC. You've been with him I mean, for a long time, and I want to talk about that in a minute. But let's talk about you first. From uh, Marshall, Michigan. Um, you know, started out I think at a young age with motorcycles, and went to MMI. Talk about your your story a little bit, how you got involved, and you know why you have such a passion for moto.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it all started with with my dad. He was a a motorcycle enthusiast himself. Um, never really was a, a motocross racer or anything like that, but he he loved trail riding. And um, when he got older, he was uh, he was into street bikes, and he would always give me like rides around the yard on his uh kind of like trail bike that he had, and then um, he would take me on on rides down the road as well, and um, that just got me hooked at a super young age, and uh, from there, when I was able to kind of ride a bicycle, he found an old, old Yamaha bike, and um, he got me going, and then uh, it just kind of escalated from there.
1: So were were when you were young, was your passion for more for riding, or did you really just love working on bikes? How did that? you know how did eventually you decided to go to mmi um you know what what made that decision?
3: yeah, I mean, when i was when I was young starting out riding bikes, you know, I, I didn't know what what motocross racing really yeah. was and it was my parents. um it was just it was just all about just riding, okay. And then um through through friends at my my school that I went to. You started meeting other people that are into motorcycles, and that's when I learned about what motocross was. And then, of course, I started racing, and I started, as I got older into high school, I started to take it as far as I could go, and, you know, my skill level rose, and I used to always try to qualify for Loretta's and and things like that. But it it got to a point, probably when I was a senior in high school, that, um, you know, I just realized that it wasn't in the cards for me to, (laughs) to be a pro racer, just like everybody else's kind of story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my dad, he, my dad's been a mechanic his whole life. Uh, he worked for, you know, RVs and, um, snowmobile mechanic and, okay. and even motorcycles. So he was always working on things at our house and, and always showing me how to do things and even work on my own bike and the normal maintenance that it required. And that just kind of got me interested in that. And then, uh, when it was time to graduate high school, everybody was looking into colleges and, and things like that. And the only thing I could think of that I wanted to do was, uh, was to be a motorcycle technician and to work on bikes, and that's what I loved. And so from there, I just the logical decision seemed to be going to MMI and uh, getting a good, a good, um, you know, a good education. Right. And learning more in depth things on uh, power sport equipment, which you know is exactly what I learned there.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because you know I've heard a lot of people say that you know if you want to become quote unquote a professional motocross supercross mechanic. MMI may not always be the place because it's, it focuses more on, uh, like dealership type stuff. You're going to work on Goldwings. You're going to work on scooters. You're going to work on everything probably, um, so how going to that gave you the base knowledge you needed, but how do you fine tune, uh, learning about supercross suspension and learning about, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, is that, did you learn that at MMI as well, or is that just, you know, trial and error? Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's exactly right. About, um, you know, the kind of the stigmatism about MMI is that they are training you for for dealership work, but um, it's not just that because you literally learn the ins and outs of every single brand of motorcycle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the dirt bike and the the street bikes as well as the snowmobiles and and the ATVs. So you know, it, it's for a dealership technician really, but um, I think there's no there's no better way to learn. Um, so much in-depth things on on every brand than to than to go to a school like that so yeah. um yeah it's kind of like a good it's a good base setting to learn a little bit about everything which i think makes you a more well-rounded mechanic uh you know in all aspects
1: yeah yeah i would assume so i'm not super mechanically I, I mean i can do a lot of stuff but like the detailed splitting cases getting into a motor no clue you know i could uh i could pull the parts off the bike and put them back on uh that's about right about it you know uh yeah, I've got a uh, 2000 CR250 that I totally framed, and I was gonna rebuild it, and it's just been sitting in parts. I'm like, I don't even know how it goes back together, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting when on I, some some buddies that know more than I do to help. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, so at some point, you know, you become you get to know uh, the C and Cirillas, I guess, and you become AC's practice bike mechanic to begin with, right? Or did you start at Hart and Huntington?
3: Yeah, it, it was it's a long road, really. I mean, okay. When you're going through MMI, like you start to, you start to think about what you really want to do when you get out of school, and, and of course, that's when I realized I don't want to work at a dealership, um, I want to work for a race team, and because um, you know a lot of the instructors there are former race mechanics or, or, or what have you. Okay. So um yeah, yeah. So right before I was about to graduate from MMI, started talking to the the employment office about getting on a race team, and and every once in a while they they do get race teams to contact them and and they're looking for for good people and um you know it, it didn't really work out for me in the beginning mm-hmm. but um so I, I chose to go home and work at my local shop the one that actually sponsored me when i raced so they were a, a kawasaki yamaha dealership and um i actually worked there for a little over four years oh, and wow. which 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 was still really um really crucial for uh, i would say my my career because you know, even though you go to school, I learned so much more working at the dealership and seeing real life uh situations with uh you know, malfunctions in, in bikes and what have you. So um that was that was pretty that was pretty good for me and the whole time I was there I was also, you know, sending out resumes and just trying to do that legwork and uh try to get on a race team or, or even work for um a privateer or amateur. So um I was doing that and um one day out of the blue I just decided to call the, uh, the MMI employment office again and, and just ask them if they've heard of anything else for race teams. And, um, they said they would let me know in a couple of weeks. And, uh, sure enough, they called me a week later and, uh, they had an opportunity to work for, uh, a Hardin Huntington racer, um, mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. So, um, yeah, I immediately jumped on that opportunity and, um, they put me in contact with the, with them. And, uh, I flew out a couple of days later to do an interview, and they uh, it all worked out. And I, I moved to Vegas uh, within a couple of weeks to uh, to pursue kind of like my first first gig with a with a racer. Besides working for friends and and doing my own my own yeah. bike work. And,
1: and how did you like that one? I mean, it's it's you know I think a lot of people. Uh, I don't know if you listen to Pulp MX, but um, Steve Mathis talks about it a lot. You know that. When he first came over down from Canada and, and and became a professional mechanic, like he would sleep in the shop. He didn't make enough money, you know, and uh, he's working all kinds of hours. on the road. Like you're, you're not going to get rich. Oh, yeah. You're not going to get famous uh, necessarily right off the bat. Um, you know, it, it's it's a lot. It's not all uh, lights and glory like you know f- fans may think sometimes. So, how was that exactly. once you actually were living it?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. And and I do I do listen to Paul and Mech. I, I love the show actually, and uh, I love that Steve was also a mechanic because you know I can relate to that. And um, yeah, that's that's exactly how it was. Um, it was it was low pay and long hours. Yeah. But um, y- you do it for for one the the love of the sport and for the opportunity and um, and really just for the opportunity that it might um, you know later on there might be another opportunity that presents itself that might be better and uh that's that's really how it was um I ended up living with uh my rider and his family um so I didn't have to pay rent and um you know i just uh i just did a lot of grinding I mean, yeah
1: you gotta lot, have the work passion.
3: Late. yeah this this guy had a lot of bikes and there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of uh a lot of work and um i was also doing his engines as well as building his chassis and then we were going to the races all the time mm-hmm. and it was um it was a ton of work. But, um, you know, through, through, you know, all that, I was able to, um, just make connections and meet people, which is really crucial. I think if you want to succeed as a, um, a race mechanic or a race, uh, or working on a race team. And, um, so yeah, I just, uh, just did that a lot. And then, um, you know, I made business cards and just tried to get my name out there and it all, it all worked out one day when, um, we were getting ready for the, uh, the Monster Cup and we were out at Milestone it was and they have a public supercross track and um it just so happened that uh Adam Cincerulo and his dad Alan they were there practicing. I think Adam was on he might have been on Super Mini still, his last year Super Minis. And um yeah, I just I just I saw his dad walking back from the track and um I went up to him and just introduced myself and gave him a business card and told him who I was and, and what I wanted to do and that I would love the opportunity to work for him someday and he was uh super nice and very responsive and uh yeah he said we would uh we would talk later and um you know it, it nothing really happened right away through that. Sure. Uh, I think I think we played phone tag for <laughs> I wanna say six months.
1: Oh wow. And
3: uh, yeah, I, I actually ended up um I ended up leaving the Hart and Huntington job for what I felt was a, a better opportunity. And um, which was working at a a suspension shop in um, Ohio called FCR Suspension. So you know I moved, moved back across the country to do this, and mm-hmm. uh, which was a great place to work. I I loved everybody there. It was a family business, and um, it was probably the the most fun I've ever had at a job. And I learned a lot with uh, suspension. I was a teardown guy, and and I did some assembly as well, and learned a lot of other things like machine shop skills and using using lathes and, and all that and um uh, like I said during that whole time I was playing phone tag with uh Adam Cincerulo's dad and um yeah one day I uh I gave him a call, we hadn't talked in a long time and I was like, Hey, did you forget about me? Right and he was like, No, I didn't forget about you actually And he's like I was just talking about you um a few days ago with Mitch Payton and um I I had spoken to Mitch also at a I think I at a mammoth motocross race a few months back, and um, okay. I I'd, I'd given him a business card to kind of let him know who I was. And yeah. So him and Mitch and Alan were talking. And they're like, "Oh yeah, you know that guy? Yeah, he gave me a card. He gave me a card too." So um, he was like, "I was talking to Mitch about you, and and we think we should hire you." So, um, if you want it, you got it.
1: That's awesome. And,
3: and uh, it, it was it was kind of surreal, and it just it just happened. And I told him I was like, "If you're serious, I'll I'll put my two week notice in today." And um, he was like, "Let's do it." And uh,
0: wow. Yeah,
3: I went and told my boss after lunch that day, and you know he's such a, a nice, supportive guy. He was like, "Dude, you got to do it. Like, no problem. <laughs> you got to go."
1: That's a great and, story.
3: Uh, yeah, I packed everything up um, there in Ohio, and um, I jetted down to Florida, you know, to start being Adam's practice mechanic.
1: Yeah, and how long were you his practice mechanic before uh, Brett? I think Brett Mountain stepped down. How how many was that? A couple years or? Yeah. So so Brett was
3: his race mechanic and um yeah it was it was two thousand and thirteen. It was the year Adam went pro, yep, and um, yeah, I started there in Florida in thirteen, and then I was his- practice bike mechanic until uh middle of uh twenty fifteen
1: okay, a couple years in,
3: yeah, so um yeah and and he was Brett decided to step down, and Adam was hurt at the time, and um, you know, Mitch called me up. Um, Adam and I were actually together here in California. He was, uh, you know, nursing an injury, doing re- rehab and all that. And I was kind of just being his chauffeur and, um, <laughs> you know, helping him out, uh, organizing his supplements and just, you know, hanging around and being a friend really. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Mitch called me up. We were having lunch and he said, uh, you know, we need a mechanic for AC. And I said, Oh yeah. Like, and he said, do you know anybody for the job? And, um, I knew he was kind of messing with me, and uh, I said, oh, yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> and he said, do you have his phone number? And I said, sure. So I gave Mitch my phone number. And um, he, he, he knew it was my number, and he started laughing. He was like, no, Brandon, we want you to do it. Yeah, um, We think you're the best guy for the job, and um, we'd love to give you the opportunity. And, of course,
0: I had to do it.
1: Yeah, I, I sit and I think, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about that history that you have with AC, you know, starting out. As a practice, practice bike mechanic, becoming his friend, building that bond, and you go back through history. You got Skip, uh, Skip and MC, you know Bone, uh, Goose and RC, j Bone and Emmick, Berludi and Raynard, Mathis and Ferry. Right. right, these great teams, oh, yeah. these bonds, exactly. and you go through these ups and downs. You go through the heartbreak of the 2019 Supercross Finals and look at where you are now you know you you just wrapped up a, a, the outdoor championship um i mean just that's that had to be a hell of a roller coaster ride
3: yeah yeah i mean and it was i mean a lot of people you know they think of adam and they think yeah he had he had a shoulder problem in in 2014 but um you know he he had another shoulder problem in 15 and then um he was coming back from injury from that and racing we're getting ready for supercross i think it was 20 came down and hit him in the leg and so you know yeah yeah so i was just saying like through through all the injuries that he's had i mean it's it's two shoulders and then you know and then he he breaks his tib fib just on the practice track trying to come back from an injury and then when we think we're all healthy and we're ready to go for the next supercross season we were training at milestone literally weeks before the first east coast race and um, he crashed in the loops and broke his wrist. So, you know, all that time I'm a practice bike mechanic, and um, you know, thankfully they're they're good enough people. They they kept me on through all his injuries, and when um, you know I could have gone and found another job or or whatever, moved on. And I just I had such a connection with Adam and and his entire family, his mom and dad and sister. You know, we all became super close, and I just you know I couldn't I couldn't leave leave the kids. So yeah, um, yeah we just I really just you know stuck through it with him and it was tough times for him and a lot of times he thought his career was going to be over and um yeah I just stuck with him because I just believed in him and I believed in the family and uh and yeah I just never I never wanted to uh you know leave him or or, or let him down so um uh, yeah it was a long long road before we finally um were 100 percent healthy and then right well, you I know we, 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 went racing.
1: I really like what he said. Uh, I think it was in the, one of the post race interviews with Steve where he, where he said, you know, I wouldn't change anything cause it made me who I am. Uh, and that shows a lot of his character. Um, and, and you're a part of that. You know, I just talked to Brian Krantz a couple of weeks ago and uh, you know, I, I feel like you are, you know as a mechanic, you're, you're at least 50% of the the package, you know, it, um, the bike has to finish just as well as the rider has to finish keeping the thing going, um, and outdoors, it's very difficult. Those bikes go through torture, you know, with the temperatures and the long motos, and, uh, yeah, so congratulations again. I already said that, but that, you know, what you did is equally as awesome as what AC did, in my opinion, the team together, the two of you, amazing. Um, Will you be, or can you even say, will you be moving up to the 450 team with him?
3: Yeah, um, you know, it's hard to say right now. Okay. That's what, that's what Adam and I both want. And um, that's what we are both uh, hoping for and pushing for. Yeah. So um, I haven't gotten um, any word yet, but uh, yeah, that's definitely what Adam and I want to do. You know, he told me straight up, he would like for me to uh, just finish out his career with him, which is exactly what I want to do. Just based on everything I already said, you know, just the connection we have. Absolutely. And just we're, we're friends. So, um, and you know, he knows I'd do anything for him and I know that, you know, he gives his 110% effort every time he's on the track. And he knows I'm doing the same when I'm in the shop or or working on the bikes or building his engine or, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we're definitely hoping to keep the relationship going and, yeah. Um, yeah, win more races on a 450.
1: Heck, yeah. You know, we know that this, this sport is very much mental. It's a huge part of it. Um, so having a guy like yourself that he's comfortable with in his – corner I would think would be a key for Kawasaki they would want that so hopefully that does work out um
3: yeah I think it's huge I think it's very um very important and um which is why he wants to keep it going yeah
1: let me ask you a couple more questions so uh you heard Steve's rant um about trying to blow the bike up after the championship uh you you built that bike you put a lot of hours into that bike um how do you feel about that
3: yeah you know um I, I recall Steve ranting about, um, maybe, maybe it was Plessinger last year or, mm-hmm. or, or the Husky team a couple years before. It. It's the same every year. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and <laughs> Steve can have his opinion, but, um, yeah, exactly like what, what you just said. And and I like to Steve as a, a former mechanic, he's looking out for the mechanics. Like that's what he said before is that, you know, there's an engine guy who's going to have to rebuild that engine <laughs> Right, and they're just destroying it. Um, you know, in our case, uh, I'm the engine guy and, um, you know, if Mitch and our team manager Zach gives me the okay to rev that thing to the moon, if I want to, <laughs> then uh, I'm going to do it because I'm going to be the one who's going to take it apart.
1: Yeah, so fair enough. Um,
3: you know, it's, it's fine. and I you know I know looking back now, I know it was pretty obnoxious and loud and annoying, and uh, I kind of feel a little bad because the riders were in press conference and you could hear the bike in the background. But uh, I'll tell you what, in that moment, we were all on a on a high, and we were uh, we were celebrating. It felt good. We uh we needed this one, and um, yeah. it was a long time coming, and, uh, yeah, I'd do it again right
1: now. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you, yeah, that's you're right. It's it's funny. You know, th- I'm sitting here thinking about you guys being in that moment. And I was at Vegas, and I saw, you know, obviously Star with Dylan's reaction and uh, Geico Honda with Chase and the excitement, and, yeah, I don't think anybody really at that moment is thinking twice about having to rebuild the bike or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just all Not about all. celebration. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. um, All right, so 9 or 92? If you were if you were able to make the decision, what do you go with?
3: Ninety two, hundred percent. Yeah, Adam brought it up uh at the truck after the race. Yep. And um and and we actually have Ivan Tedesco as a, a test rider for us and he was right. there at the race and he asked Ivan, What's up? Like, can I can I take number nine? You know, even though I don't think Ivan has it anymore, but um he's like, Do I have your blessing? And he's like, Yeah, go for it <laughs> But uh no, I mean you gotta do ninety two. I think it's um you know, it's kinda like it's almost like a brand at this point. He's been 92 for so long, and, you know, he always used to tell me back in the day, 92 or number
1: one. Oh, so, wow. Um, I like we're, it. We're
3: not able to, we're not able to run the number one because he's not going to return the 250. Plus, yeah. But, uh, so I think it's got to be 92.
1: I like it. Well, I, I'm kind of in, I can't make up my mind because I hear good points on either side. Like, it's hard to pass up a single digit number. You know, how many chances do you get to get that single digit? But then you have Very the history true. of the 92, so... I don't know how I would make that decision if I was in the boat in that boat, but it'd be interesting to see what gets decided. Um, so, two more things: what's the thing that AC is most picky about on the bike?
3: Most picky about um, his race bike? Not a, not a whole lot. He likes it to be balanced, you know, not too high in the rear or or too or too high in the front or too low. So he likes a good balance. And then, um, you know, he, he he likes a strong. Strong engine um so like especially on his practice bikes, you know, because we we aren't able to give our rider the exact race spec in a practice engine, right, so um, I would say the most picky about on his practice bike would be the, the engine he wants it to you know a lot of torque and a lot of power, so but yeah overall, just um just a good balanced bike, you know, um the levers we can get them all pretty close and and he's good, he can still move it like a tiny bit, maybe, but mm-hmm. uh yeah, that's pretty much it,
1: okay. Do you have any rituals race day that like you have to do a, something a certain way or in a certain order?
3: Um, I, I wouldn't say a ritual, but I, I have I have my routine, and it's the same every single race day, whether it's Supercross or or outdoors. It's just um just doing my my checks. You know, I just it's almost like a, a fluid motion where you're you run through every T handle and you check you know every every bolt that you can every bolt that you can get to. Yeah. And uh, so I run through all my T handles and I run through all my Allen T handles and then I run through all my wrenches until I feel like I've checked everything I could possibly check. And, um, you know, I do that probably, I would say five, six times a weekend. <laughs> so, um, you know, every time the bike comes off the track, yeah, yeah. It comes back out, I right. do the same, the same thing. And, you know, just, you check every single, every single nut and bolt as well as like making sure the gas cap's tight and the radiator caps all the way on and the transponder brackets all tight. So you don't lose that. And it's just, uh, like I said, it's just, it becomes a fluid motion where it's just like you're, you're dancing around the bike, just hitting every, every bolt.
1: Right. Um, well, all right. So last one as a mechanic. Now I, I know you did not win the supercross championship, but do you, do you value one over the other? I asked Kranz the same question because to me, the bike takes much more of a beating in the nationals longer motos um do you have a value over one or the other or are they would they both have the same probably equal sweetness to them
3: i think they would both probably have the same the same sweetness i mean um like as a mechanic like i'm i work so hard to make sure the bike is top notch every mm-hmm. time it goes on the track and and you know i also have the 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 stress that comes with building the engine and um you know, all the moving parts that, that make up the motorcycle. And I'm the one who touches every part. So, uh, you know, it's just, anytime the bike goes on the track, anything can happen. You know, you can, you can have an issue and things just break because they're dirt bikes, but, um, you know, it would have been, it would have been great to win the Supercross title, but, um, yeah, I will say the outdoor championship is a national championship and, and it's not a regional Supercross championship. Like, no no disrespect or discredit, you know, to to the winners of uh East or West Coast Sure, you know, Supercross championship. But um yeah, this is a this is twelve rounds national championship and you know, AC winning the first, you know, four races or so, you know, it was a lot of it was a lot of pressure and it was just uh it was such a great feeling.
1: Absolutely. Brandon, thank you, man, so much. Uh it was really awesome to meet you this year and uh get a chance to talk to you tonight. And uh, appreciate your time and taking a few minutes. Like I said, I know your guys are busy. There almost really is no off season for you, so uh, it means a lot to us, man. Thank you.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. And sorry for for kind of dodging you all those days, but uh, no worries. Yeah, we were always we were always busy here at the shop, and uh, we were back to work Monday after the championship as well. So
1: yeah, crazy, crazy. Well, man, hey, yeah. good luck with uh, the the future. I I hope everything works out where you stick with AC, and I'm sure I will see you in 2020 at some point. Definitely. All right, man. Be safe. Thank you. All
3: right. Thank you. All right.
1: right, That was Brandon Zimmerman. Uh, So if you're listening to this, I'm sure you'll be listening to this in post. I had a little bit of software issue during this recording. So, um, yeah, there's probably going to be a little bit of a dead spot. But I apologize for that. Anyway, we'll take a quick break and be back
0: with our next guest. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort.
1: Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Antonap.
0: 7-2
1: I wear Fly Q, wear Fly too. The 2019 Fly Racing line includes the popular Light Hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line, The all new women's light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles.
0: Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info.
2: If you're looking for top quality hard parts, you need to visit Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry and are a proud supporter of the Moto X Pod Show. Find the flow with Torque One Racing handlebars, levers, shifters, brake pedals, and grips. Torque One Racing is the title sponsor of the Moto X-Pod show, so support those who support us. Visit TorqueOneRacing.com and order your Defy lock-on grips today.
1: Blood Lubricant Signature Products, Blood Power Sport Series, Blood Racing Pro Series, and Blood Racing Pro Elite Series were all created to bring out the highest level of performance and protection for all types of racing. From dirt track to off-road, motocross, supercross, and drag racing, bloodlubricants.com has what you need. Along with their oil lines, Blood Lubricants provides chain loop, degreaser, polyclean, and other top-notch products. Independent tests have shown Blood Lubricant oils to allow your bikes to run up to 30 degrees cooler. Give Jeff Green and Blood Lubricants a try, and you won't be disappointed. Blood Lubricant sponsors of Tyler Powers, Team PRMX, Team TXS, and many other pro supercross and motocross riders. Visit bloodlubricants.com today. All right, we are back. And uh, our next guest is brought to you by Achirbys USA. For decades, Achirbys has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories. With products that fit perfectly, look amazing, and last, Achirbys has what you need. Visit achirbysusa.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and let Brian and the crew take care of you, man. So check them out. Get with them. Let them know the Moto X-Pod show sent you. But on the line with me is Mr. Blake Bomber. He uh, is at bootlegger underscore moto underscore supply on Instagram. And his personal account is at D-A-B-A-U-M 44. What's up, Blake? How you doing, man?
0: Hey, Dark Side, How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me on the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. You you contacted me on Instagram, and uh, you've got a pretty cool thing going. You also run mxbootdeals.com. MX Boot um. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about your business, because I think it's pretty rad.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, what we do is we specialize in selling high, as a uh, few helmets and gear sets online. Hey, Blake. Um. And,
1: your, yeah. your Your phone cut out right when you were saying that. So, if you would say that again, I'm sorry.
0: Oh, hey, no problem. Uh, so, Bootlegger Moto Supply. We specialize in selling high end, uh, used motocross boots as well as a few helmets and gear sets online. Um, yeah, and so what we try to do is uh, just bring bring all the riders out there, premium-level products at uh, more of a, a medium-level price range and really just make the sport more affordable um, for, for anyone out there, whether it's, uh, you know, a young kid like me just trying to get through college or, uh, you know, an adult with a family of four. Um, our whole goal is... Uh, just make the sport more affordable and help people out.
1: Yeah, that's pretty important because no, unless you're like a full-on professional racer, nothing comes cheap, These, whether it be gear, parts, whatever. It's expensive. And I, I kind of looked through some of the stuff on uh, Bootlegger Moto Supply on Instagram and man, all that gear, all the boots, whether it be Fox boots, Alpine Stars, Garnet, C D, look badass like brand new stuff almost uh it was beautiful and i was kind of like w- trying to decide what gear set i wanted because um <laughs> i'm a bit of a gear snob like chris Kiefer, you know uh, and you guys have pretty much anything you could want um how'd you get this thing started what what made you decide to do it and how did you start it
0: yeah that's a that's a good question uh so if you don't mind i uh, will take a just a step back into history yep um so my start in the sport um, was probably when I was six or seven, uh Indianapolis Supercross at the old R C A dome. Uh and my dad and my, my mom took me down there and ever since then I always wanted a bike and uh I ended up getting a XR seventy. Okay. Um my co- my cousin had it and it was stolen and the police <laughs> they found it in a creek. So my start in the sport was a, a sunken X R seventy here in Indiana.
1: Hey, nothing wrong with that, um, as long as it runs.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, moved on from there, and I eventually ended up with an XR100. And at some point, I told my dad, you know, this thing's too slow, and (laughs) if I can't get a bike faster than this, then I'm pretty much done. Uh, So after that, you know, I got into 125 two-strokes and started actually racing, you know, around locally. And uh, we were up to a point where we were doing – 30-some races a year, and I was, yeah, that was a busy schedule, and I was just sitting there trackside one day with some of my buddies, you know, that rode similar to us, doing like the series and everything, and uh, I just remember talking to them, and they were were saying how they wanted, you know, some of this premium-level equipment, but, you know, they couldn't really justify spending $600 on a a brand-new pair of boots. And so, yeah, from then on, I kind of realized there was a need, um, mm-hmm. and it really just—that's uh, where it all progressed from.
1: Well, how do you go about getting, let's say, like the first sets of gear? You know, I mean, do you just ask for donations? Do uh, people think it's a really great idea and start helping right away? Um,
0: honestly, I. I think it all started when uh, I just had some extra old spare boots laying around, and and that's how it really kind of took off. Was I started selling some of my personal old, um, old equipment, and uh, then from there I just figured out, uh, you know, how to how to really get this thing moving.
1: That's that's pretty impressive. And how old were you when this happened? When you when you did this?
0: Um, it started around when I was 17 or 18 years old, and I'm I'm uh, three now so yeah we've been going for quite a while
1: yeah that's impressive i don't think too many kids that age think about doing something like that starting a business you know and helping others out that's that's pretty impressive man i'm, I'm i think that's rad um so you you mentioned in your message to me helping some downed riders and talk about that a little bit
0: sure uh so yeah the past couple of years uh ever since we've really uh, started promoting the business online uh I've tried to help at least one rider a year um that that you know that's in need or that went through some kind of serious injury um so last year we helped out Jared Williams. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but I'm he's not. a he's a local uh well in the midwest here he's he's a pro okay or he was a pro and uh he raced the arena cross and he did some outdoors i believe okay and he's really really fast michigan sand track guy and i think it was 2016 or 17 i want to say he got hurt at uh, the baltimore arena cross round and he was paralyzed from i believe the chest down um and so yeah we we sold off a pair a couple of items and and made a nice donation to him and i actually was fortunate enough to meet him out at the, the redbud national um a couple months ago mm-hmm. so yeah it was cool to see that you know he was he was appreciative of it and uh there's a there's another local rider here in indiana that we uh we recently participated in a uh a, like a fundraiser race a pit bike fundraiser for uh evan faucet um and so, yeah, every year we, we really just try to try to give back to at least you know one or two guys out there that are really in need and uh, so if anybody out there listening has has a good idea and wants to, uh, to send it to me, you know I'm more than glad to, to listen to that as well.
1: yeah, it sounds like you uh you've got a big heart and uh you know you you definitely are living life right by trying to give back uh that's that's really cool, so I hope our listeners will support support you and get involved again it's mxbootdeals.com uh on instagram it's at bootlegger underscore moto underscore supply and of course your personal instagram is at d-a-b-a-u-m 44 so guys definitely support this guy this is really cool um just how about the the actual let's talk about racing this year let's get off the subject of the business for just a minute um, since you're such a big fan of the sport, what did you think about Outdoor Nationals this year? What a great year it was!
0: Oh yeah, it was, uh, it was a very interesting year. Um, you know, Tomac he uh, started to come through a little bit more this year, and and just kind of, kind of brought out of his his inner Ryan Dungey a little bit. You know, <laughs> with being a little little bit more consistent. Yeah. Um, which was nice to see, and uh, it's it's pretty obvious he's a he's a top tier athlete for sure
1: absolutely uh do you have a favorite rider in in both classes
0: um i i try to stay uh i try not to uh, just lean towards one guy in particular okay. um if, if i do root for someone in particular it would be you know just a local midwest guy
1: oh there you go i like that okay well how about yourself do you still race i see your pictures on instagram i know you ride are you, are you racing
0: yeah, we we race a few select events throughout the year. We actually uh just raced up at Redbud uh for VetFest. Oh, there you go. Um but I'm just a uh a local sea rider, you know. I'm I'm not out there trying to make a living or sure, anything. Sure. It's all about just just having fun with your buddies on the weekend.
1: Dude, that's that's what I do too as my co-host when he's in here TJ. That's what we do. We 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 don't, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like to try to at least have an opportunity to win a race. But really what it comes down to is as long as you beat your buddies, that's that's the highlight. So, uh, yeah, man, I know what you're talking about. That's cool. Um, back to the business. What can listeners or people do? Can they donate gear? How does I mean, how does that work? Do you just, is it all donations or do you guys sometimes I guess I mean, do you buy stuff and then resell it? Or what? does what, that work?
0: Uh correct. So all of our uh, all of our inventory is purchased. Um, okay. Listeners uh could they could donate, you know, if uh, if they wanted to raise some money for a good cause, you know, I'd be more than uh willing to help out with that. Um but but yeah, we uh we try really hard to source nice products for everybody. Um and and yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how that works.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a cool thing, man. I I did not I had never you know, n- knew that something like this really existed until you contacted me. So I appreciate you reaching out. Um, but yeah, man, Blake, I appreciate you getting in touch with us. And um, hopefully some of our listeners will get involved and either buy some stuff for, from you or donate and help out. Uh, that's you, Hal Simpson. If you're listening, man, you you're uh, you, got all kinds of money. Help this kid out, man. You probably got 12 sets of boots in your shop right now, Hal. So uh, help Blake out. But uh, Blake, thanks for coming on, man, and reaching out and, and giving us a few minutes of your time.
0: Hey yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm a, I'm a long-time listener and enjoy I enjoy the um the Pulp Wrap Up show as well. So
1: Well, I appreciate that because I get hammered pretty hard. Um I've gotten a lot of shit today because of you know, I I don't know if you've listened to last night's yet. Um I made a couple mistakes and uh Mathis called me out and uh, the the listeners are relentless. So <laughs> Yeah, he 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 got man I just can't seem to do that thing without mistakes and it's he he uh he gets me really stressed. Steve does because he fucks with me and busts my balls and then I think about it the whole time I'm doing the show, you know, and I just inevitably mess up. But I appreciate you listening <laughs> and uh yeah, man take the time and send him an email. Let him know you like it cuz it helps. So All right, hey, we'll do. All right, Blake. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Stay in touch if uh if anything changes, if you want to come on again, talk about You know, something in a while, in a few months, let me know.
0: All righty. Thanks, Darkside.
1: All right, Blake. Take care, buddy.
0: Yep, you too. All right.
1: All right, Blake Bomber, and that's B-A-U-M-E-R is his last name. Uh, You guys feel free to reach out to me. Send me a DM if you need any of this contact information. I'll get it to you. All right, uh, that's it. That's going to be a wrap for this evening. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening to what is not episode 134. Little bonus episode. Hope you guys like it. See you guys soon. Out.